All right, Jason. Yeah. Welcome to math class. Mm. I'm going to give you a number. Yeah. The number six. One of Satan's. Absolutely. Watch out. I'm going to have you take that number six, times that by ten. Uh-huh. And that is exactly how many episodes we've done, my friend. Number 60! <laughs> Happy 60th episode, everybody. Drinks all around. Yep. Uh, every last, since we, you know, didn't celebrate our 50th. Yeah, we just blew right past yeah. that thing. Bye-bye. Yeah, we thought we'd make it up. And we got a great guest on today, Oh, Alex. yes. We have Joy Beth Smith coming on the episode today to talk about singleness. singleness. Oh, I love it. We sweet. We, we synced that. up. Yeah, we did. That was awesome. And now we're letting people behind the curtain of our show to see our shenanigans. Yeah. Gosh, mm. dang it. But speaking of shenanigans, yeah. people from time to time, they, they feel inclined to leave yeah. us a five-star review. And I know we usually read those at the end of the end of the show, but we got to let people know, if, especially if you're a new listener, if you're coming over from listening about Jason's alien experience or yeah. listening to our previous episode on are we really saved? How do we know we're saved episode? If you're new to this, this experience we call Not Your Pastor's Podcast, we read every five-star review that you leave for us on the Apple iTunes yes. podcast app. Every last one of them. Every last one. Whatever whatever you want to write in it. Because sometimes you can leave a five-star review but not leave a comment with it. Yeah. We encourage you to leave a comment with your five-star review. It only takes you 30 seconds. Yep. And... Just leave a comment, and we will make sure to read it. So I, we have one, Jason. Yeah, We're all read right. One. Let's read it. This one is called Refreshing Insight from Covert Nerd. Awesome. Howdy, this guy's howdy. fantastic, by the way. Yeah, he's, he's got his own podcast, Covert Nerd. It's He's, he's an awesome guy. Yeah, you look sure. it up. He's, and this is what he writes. He says, I have listened to several of your podcasts. I like the honest discussions you have about life from a Christian worldview. You go into topics many other Christians would consider taboo, and you talk with non-Christians to get their perspective. You have open dialogue, and you both express your own doubts and fears as Christians. You admit the life of a believer isn't all rainbows and unicorns. Definitely not. No. Thanks again for what you do, even though you aren't official pastors. You are still doing a great service to the community. Sorry I didn't include the curse words for you to say. <laughs> Sarcasm. Remember that one uh, five-star review I read that had yeah, that really long word? It had word? that gigantic word I want it. more of that. Yeah. Because that's really fun. He, he trolled you hardcore, and you nailed it. I spent all day on YouTube listening to yeah. the pronunciation of that one particular word, and I can't even say it now. Yeah, well, thanks, Covert Nerd, man. Those were kind words. I, yeah, I, re- I appreciate really appreciate it because I think he like hears our episodes and he gets what what we do, yeah. and that that's awesome. Absolutely, we are all about finding areas of the church um, that either we don't have a lot of knowledge on, or the church really doesn't address, and there are areas that get left in the dark. And that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about singleness mm-hmm. and how singleness gets neglected in the church hugely. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a big problem. And we got an awesome guest on today, Joy Beth Smith, whose book Party of One, The Truth, Longing, and the Subtle Art of Singleness is out now. And uh, she's coming on. She's going to talk about singleness and her book. And she's got some incredible insight into singleness and the church. You know, I'm really, I feel really blessed that uh, Joy Beth 
would give us that kind of time to like to talk to two guys who couldn't make it as pastors. But I feel like this episode is, is for everyone. If it's for if you're single, if you're not single, if you're a pastor, if you're not a pastor, this episode is definitely for you. So, oh man, she just a little teaser, man. She rips into the idolatry of marriage. Gosh, tear that thing down. Yeah. And she has some incredible insight for the church, and Absolutely. people need to hear it. If they don't read her book, hear this episode, and then go buy her book. Yeah, for sure. So anyway, everybody sit back. Get yourself some popcorn. This is not your pastor's singleness episode. Everybody, we are here with Joy Beth. How's it going, Joy? It's going great. So, like, like your book. Uh, well, at the time we're recording this, your book comes out tomorrow. Like, how like like nervous slash excited are you? Um, I literally woke up this morning and I I could have thrown up. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I know, that's not an exaggeration. Oh man, I can't imagine. I- yeah, it's it's pretty bad, and I I feel like it's it's that combination, it's that perfect storm of nerves, and I have absolutely no more control in this situation. It's just it's all out there tomorrow. Everything. Yes. Oh man. I know. It's wonderful and terrifying. Yeah, that's gotta be. If it makes you feel any better, I swear to God, I'm not a prophet or anything. I'll, I'll just. You know, throw, throw <laughs> just it out, so uh, I know. Yeah, just so you know, and all of our listeners, I'm, Jason is not a prophet. But I had this dream last night uh, that oh, he's going jo- full Joseph. On yeah, us, I'm okay. going. I, I'm going full Joseph. I'm going full dream. <laughs> I had I had this dream last night that there was a conference with uh, Hillary McBride and Jamie Wright and Sarah Bessie and yourself <gasps> and Rachel Held Evans. And I was like, I was just like scrolling through in the, in the dream. I'm scrolling through Twitter and I see this conference come up and I got like super excited. <laughs> and then this I woke amazing. up. Yeah. So like maybe something awesome is going to happen in your future. With like was a big... I wearing a leather jacket? Um, no, it was literally I was reading a Twitter post. Oh, <laughs> all dream. right. Well, <laughs> if that ever gonna... comes true, I'm, I'm, we're going to Vegas. Yeah, we are. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to Vegas with you. Yeah, that would be that would be sweet. So we got to talk about the book because I mean that's that's ultimately why we're here, and then also specifically the topic at hand. Uh, well, first, what's the name of the book is Party of One. So what what is this book all about, Joy Beth? Yeah. Uh, so it is It is originally written to um, single women in the church who long to be married, but find themselves in that place where they aren't. Um, so it's kind of me and my state of being unmarried written to my fellow unmarried women. Uh, and I'm just going like, I get it. I see you. I'm with you. And we are sitting in longing together and we don't have to 
there's not a way to like fix grief. I feel like a lot of times the single books are just trying to fix us um, to fix the place that we're in so that we can, if we just find that one thing, you can fix it and then we're married and then we're, you know, whatever, whatever. But a lot of times there's not just like a thing that you can fix anymore. Um, We're just kind of here and we're stuck in this place and that's okay. So it's just kind of acknowledging that um, and it's written to those women. But what I've actually kind of seen and this process pre-launch is that it's actually a really great resource too for church leadership. Um, I've had a lot of a lot of my like male friends who are married and who are in church leadership read it, and they've been saying like this is such a great resource for them as far as like hearing from the marginalized in their churches and being able to say, oh, like actually you make up a majority of the population, but also you're few and far between in the churches. And this is such a great way for us to hear from you directly when we wouldn't normally get to. So that's been really awesome. Not to crack a bad joke this early in the interview, but oh, come on. But like, how often, like, when you tell people that you're single, that does the Beyonce song "All the Single Ladies" come into mind? Um, I've gotten a lot. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> and I'll, it's a lot on Twitter with the with the gifs. You know, yeah. All the single ladies, all the single. The, I get that gif a lot in response to. Okay, the book. now just to clear something up, you called it gif. I, Alex I, calls it gif. I call it GIF. My wife wanted to beat the crap out of me because it's GIF. What well, is it GIF or is that just what she calls it? Uh, well, she's usage. Usage is is correct, right? The well, I mean, the G. This is what she told me because I really don't care. But some people really care, and it was brought to her attention, and then brought to my attention through her. She is saying the G stands for graphic, like oh. So that would make it that would make oh, graphic it interface GIF. format or whatever. It just makes me think of my favorite brand of peanut butter, so that's why I use it. <laughs> <laughs> Choosing moms choose GIF. Yeah. Well, I mean not to derail what Completely. you're talking about. Yeah. I just that uh, side note. <laughs> <laughs> no, oh. but well, you you talking about uh you know, your your male pastor friends who are married well technically alex and i aren't pastors but like when i when i was looking at the new books coming out through nelson publishing like this one immediately hit me because i'm drawn to things that i know nothing about and but what i do see is i do see it i mean this is just from an outsider's perspective a giant neglect for singles in general in the church like Like, uh, um, like just take, for instance, like our church, uh, I mean, our pastor does a fantastic job of like recognizing singles. We have singles on staff. Um, and I think that's really helped him and opened his eyes a lot to it. And then because of that, he communicates it to his congregation. So it also helps us see it too. Um, where like I take, for instance, like the church I grew up in was completely blind toward the singles. There was nothing for them at all. But even even in saying that, like we have this this whole coming month is family month. Um, it's everything, all the lessons, all the growth communities, all the Bible studies, everything's geared towards family. It's focus on the family month, but not called focus on the family. Oh, I was going to ask you if it was actually called that. No, it's not. We, we tend to write most of our own content, but even then on like Valentine's day, there's like a couple's dinner for married couples. And 
And then, like, I see it more and more, like, oh, this is for married couples, or this is for youth, or this is for kids. But I don't see a whole lot in the way for singles. Like, specifically for singles, yeah. is what you're saying. Yeah. Like, like, like how there's a difference. Okay, I'm just, I'm just trying to understand. Well, I'm, I'm learning, well, too. And what's really sad, too, is, like, the church's dinner, like you're saying, your church's dinner for couples, is that those couples, odds are, those couples will celebrate Valentine's Day in some way, regardless of whether the church facilitates that. Yeah. But for single people, they probably won't be celebrated unless someone intentionally devises a way for them to be acknowledged in Valentine's Day, you know? And so like, I'm a part of a a launch group when we have a hundred people in it and most of them are single women. And a lot of them just today, we had a thread about how there's like a heaviness in the group right now. Like there was a lot of levity and stuff right before, right around the holidays. And we were like, you know, cheering each other on. And it was a lot of camaraderie. And in the past couple of weeks, it's actually gotten really heavy. And several of the girls have talked about how Valentine's Day is actually just incredibly difficult for them uh, because there is extreme isolation um and so for for something like that i i'm actually i mean your church is great yada yada but i'm actually really frustrated with the church because it's like what an what a lost opportunity for you to do something where you could have actually like instead of making single people feel even more isolated and doing something for couples that probably would have already been celebrated you you have you could have flipped the script completely and instead you've only reinforced exactly what culture is reinforcing you know yeah, you see that right there is the exact insight that I want and I want people to hear especially all of our all of our listeners who are pastors and are are uh are looking for this insight. Like that's that's gold right there. That that's awesome. <laughs> Oh, and I, it's so funny because I come on these things and people ask me questions about like statistics and like, you know, you're the expert. Da, 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 da. And I'm like, whoa, I am not an expert. I am a 29 year old single woman in the church. <laughs> that That is what I have to offer in this. And so I'm like, I do not have stats to back it up. I have tears. So yeah. I can tell you <laughs> how the church has wounded me. I cannot necessarily tell you, you know, the the statistic of the number of single people that so I I think it's just uh, I think it's something where you're exactly right in that there just aren't a lot of places and times where single people are getting their voice heard and whether that's because they leave before they get to be elevated to a position of leadership or whether it's because you know a lot of pastors are married at an age where they don't actually experience the pains of singleness and so they're kind of removed from that and they forget those concerns. I, I'm not really sure, but I think that it is something where we really miss these opportunities to minister to people who need it. So I wanted to ask this question because because sometimes sometimes especially especially men, I'm gonna speak for just men all across the board, we're pretty um what's the word I'm looking for? Dumb sometimes. <laughs> And sometimes we say things not realizing what they actually mean or how they make somebody else feel sometimes. Like I get accused of this all the time. I say really dumb stuff. Thankfully, I have a very forgiving wife who understands that I just am dunce sometimes and I just need to sit in a corner with a tall cone-shaped hat. Um, <laughs> but do you, do you Enneagram? What's Enneagram? Oh, he does not. I forget I, what your Enneagram is because I, we had some listeners point out his Enneagram and I can't remember. I purposely I'm don't. I'm a nine. I purposely don't do it because everybody's doing it. Yeah. 
that that should be enough to label them right there. If I knew what the the designations were off the top of my head. But anyway, it's okay. I was just wondering. Go ahead. But so anyway, I was I was going to ask, what are some things that you have heard that that I'm sure many people out there in the in, in that are our listenership have maybe said, but don't realize that are actually hurtful, not helpful to singles. Yeah, I think that there are. So um, the designations in my book originally were that like each chapter um, was going to be actually be like a different hurtful thing um, that that the church tells single people and it didn't end up being that exactly. Um, but that's the extent to which I think that there's like really harmful rhetoric in the church. Um, that is, that is attacking single people, whether we know it or not, you know? And so I think that there's a lot, I think that there is still this like essence of prosperity gospel, um, that's kind of being perpetuated. And it says that if you, you know, if you wait and if you just are faithful enough that, you know, like God is going to be faithful in bringing you a husband. Um, and so this looks like, you know, like I'm being frustrated and I'm sitting with my sweet church lady friend and I'm like bearing my heart of like, you know, like, I just don't know, like I, I, I'm being emotional and I'm crying and I'm like, I just don't know that God's ever going to like bring me somebody. And, and she pats my knee and she's like, sweetheart, God has some, someone so good for you. And like, that sounds so comforting, but in reality, we just don't know. And, and I know that we want to be able to offer those assurances. Um, but it's just like with any, with any couple who's struggling with infertility, with any person who's looking for a job, with anyone who's trying to recover from a disability of any kind, we can never offer those kinds of assurances and, and claim that they're actually true. Um, So I think that that is actually something that becomes really harmful because it plants this seed in my heart then of of expectation of like, well, if the Lord is supposed to bring this to me, then I'm disappointed in the Lord when it doesn't come. And then I am, then my faith is kind of shifting when it doesn't come up. Like, is the Lord not providing? Am I not being good enough? That's what I was going to ask. Oh, well, I'm sorry. What was the question? No, what is the that's follow-up? what I was going to ask you in those situations. That you, well, you brought up not providing, but then do you feel like you're like not being good enough or not, you know? Oh, my gosh. The yeah. sense of deficiency is so strong that there oh, must man. be a like critical spiritual flaw that's keeping you from your your spouse that like if I just perfect myself spiritually if I just figure out what that one thing is if I just continue to um like work on myself and and like get to the heart root of it you know because if the Lord gives you the desires of your heart and if the Lord wants to partner I just listened to this horrible podcast the other day Uh-oh. that is being put out um by by Christians by by yeah. single I don't even understand by single Christians and it was um. It's called Not Your Pastor's Podcast. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, what do we do? I didn't do anything wrong. Our last episode was about how I was abducted by aliens. It can't be us. <laughs> um, no, it was this really awful podcast, though. And it was and it was talking about how like the Lord wants to partner with you um, to work towards marriage. And I was... And you're just sitting there listening to it. And and she's so passionate about it. And she gets so excited about this idea that like God knows your desires and he knows your desire for marriage and he wants to partner with you towards that. And I think there are so many things wrong with that. You know, immediately you're like, well, 
I mean, can we identify like the idol of marriage in that? And that like, yeah. why can't- oh man, that's a good one. Idol, boom, tear yeah. down those idols. So many, and there's so many of those in the church as a whole. Yes. You know, like why why are we so focused on the nuclear family in the church that we can't open it up to to bringing in single people into your? In, there's so many single people and that desperately need families in the church and need a place of belonging especially like i had to move across the country to colorado this past year in Lo- love your state love your state oh well place. i'm back in chicago oh. so don't attach. Not, yeah. i don't like that as much but okay um colorado is beautiful and lovely though and um and so i moved across the state didn't know anybody and you are you're shoved into this church where your only real option as a single person is to be the one to initiate uh introductions every week so like the the way that the church kind of functions is that you have to kind of make the eye contact go and say hello and like ingratiate yourself into these family units if you kind of want more than just your single people that are around you, you know? And, and even then it's more of like a barnacle on a ship than it is ever actually being part of the ship itself. Um, and you feel, you feel just like you're having to like suction on and, and, and you never, I actually feel like true acceptance. I never felt true acceptance in, in family units as a single person. And I think that that's so devastating. And I think it's part of this idea of like, but the nuclear family will always come first. You know, if it was between my car breaking down and the daughter needing to be brought to the doctor's office, you know, well, it's a clear call, you know, my daughter's going to come first. And it's like, well, then I'm no one's priority, you know? Mm. So, I think that there there just has to be a huge reassessing of of where single people will stand in community in the church and the language that we use to talk about them and you know even even the way that we talk about ourselves as far as like singleness is for a season and it's like no this might be your life and that's okay and we should we should want the glory of God more than we want to like change this relationship status. Yeah, I a story that comes to mind when you talk about talk about that, like so, like it, right before Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego get thrown into the furnace. Are you going pastoral here? I'm I'm definitely going pastoral. They said even if God didn't save them, they said that God is definitely able to save us from the fires of this furnace. But even if He didn't, mm-hmm. we would still worship Him. And I feel mm-hmm. like that's a powerful message because, like, even if somebody who's been single their whole life, like even if they never get married, it doesn't it doesn't change. It shouldn't change their love for God. And I feel like especially from the church today, there's a lot of pressure in you. You need to get married. You got to find that special someone. You got to find Mr. or Mrs. Right or whatever. And I've known there's a guy in my church in Flint that was a single guy and he was the coolest. He was, I think he, gosh, he must've been in his early sixties. But the, one of the great things about him was he was always there when I needed him because he wasn't tied down by a family. And it was like, I knew I could count on this guy if I needed him to do this X, Y, or Z. And he's just this amazing person. And I feel like the church overlooks those single people. Like they have a, maybe, and maybe I'm getting too far ahead of myself. And if I'm saying anything that's contradictory to what your message is, Joy Beth, let me know. But I feel like single people are such a huge asset to the church because mainly maybe their time or their their talents and their ability to see things a little bit differently because they 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 don't have necessarily a nuclear family that they that they're um accountable to 
No, I totally agree. And and I think that that was like the point of Paul, right? Like it's better to be single or it's not. Well, yeah, no, it's better to be single than it is to be married. But if you have to be married, like, you know, it's fine, whatever. But uh, I think that that was his whole point is that like you can accomplish more for the kingdom if you're single. And I think that that's what you're saying with your friend of like he can get up in the middle of the night and go and, you know, drive. He doesn't have to figure out childcare and he doesn't have to, you know, like make sure his house is locked down. You know, like he he has a, a flexibility and a freedom that you as a married man with two kids. I don't know. I, don't I, have, know I, I have one daughter. Jason has three boys and we have dogs. So that sometimes factors in. Right. Like, <laughs> I, I could leave right now and go and do anything for anybody. You could not. Yeah. And there's yeah. there's you're, there's you're a, right. like, beautiful freedom of that in the body. Also, I could not populate the earth, and you are. Like, by myself, I couldn't. Uh, it's so, the only thing you know. that's keeping our church growing. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't I mean, mean to interrupt you. I'm sorry. No, it's fine. I mean, you need, obviously, I'm not saying you don't need marriage, but uh, you need marriage. But I but I think there is a, a highly undervalued aspect of singleness that says that they're, they're, they are doing more for the body than just like children's church and setting up before service. I'm not going to lie. There was one week when I worked at, I, so I used to work for a church and I remember I, I used to put in about 40 to 50 hours a week. My wife went to, where did she go? I think she went to Oregon for the week to visit her brother. I'm sorry, she went where? She went to Oregon, Oregon. Oh, Oregon? Oregon, Oregon, origami. She went to origami <laughs> class. <laughs> or, she went to Oregon <laughs> and she was gone for a week. I got 70 hours worth of work done. And it was like just incredible. I was just like, I can do this this week. I could do this. I could do this. I could do this. And then I can go sit, hang out with these people I haven't hung out with in a while. And I was like a busy little bee that whole week. And then when she came back, I was like, oh, what happened to my produ- productivity? I was like, well, my wife's home now. And I need to spend time with her because that's part of my responsibility as a husband. But yeah, pastors, wake up. Use your single people. Yep. I th- I think and also it, invest in them. Like yes. it's not just a one-way street. Like don't suck them dry. Also, like cultivate relationships with them and pour into them because there's no one else really doing that. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's the part that I, I mean, you said it right off the the, the get go of the interview. You you use the word invisible, and I hate that word. And unfortunately, it keeps popping up over. And over and over again is when people go to church and they feel invisible for one reason or another. And it breaks my heart because that's the exact opposite of what the church is supposed to be. Right. And, and just, it's, it's built into, like you said, the, the family, we, you know, we have this idolization of it, which is, which is unfortunate. And I, um, and it's just, it's so built into all the dialogue, all the teachings, it's built into everything. And at this point, it's like, how do we, how do we change that? Can, can you tell yeah. us how to change that? <laughs> well, it's not, like, take, for, for example, like, I mean, I, I love our pastor. Our church is not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. I do appreciate the, the lens that he's trying his hardest to give us on people who are single. But then, you know, we have a lesson uh, a few weeks ago where he's talking about the lanes of authority and he's talking about the lane of authority in the family. And he's talking about the husband being head of the household. So what does that mean if you don't have a husband? Mm -hmm. Are you, you just have no, like, where does that put you? Mm 
and you're you're literally not under a category like like in in that situation and it's right. like that sucks like and 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 like I know our pastor's heart and and there's only so much you you can't get into the nuance of things when you're doing a half hour sermon uh, again another area where I think the church is broken is it's been re- reduced to a, a you half would, you hour. would like a 2 hour lecture would you <sighs> yeah you're that guy probably i guess i'm that guy too yeah <laughs> if i could listen to three hour podcasts of discussing like philosophy like yeah that's what i want out of my my sermons well uh, hopefully i'm not like ranting and not making sense like but here's the thing too is that if you if we don't start making the 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 caveats and if we don't start like proactively thinking about these things before the singles are in the church that you're never going to make space for them. You know, it's almost like, well, we only have the 10 single people, so I'm not going to like put in the effort to like adjust this sermon accordingly. And it's like, well, you know, that number will never grow until you actually start like putting in the effort now, you know, you, you just have to, and, and it's responsible for the sake of the marriages because inevitably there's divorce and people die and your spouse could die tomorrow. And then where does that leave, you know, your wife who is now without a husband, like, where is she in all of this? You know? So it's, it's for the sake of healthy marriages that we have a robust understanding of singleness as much as it's for the sake of singleness. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, man, what, like, can I, can I ask, like, are you still uh, active in a church? You still attend a church or no at this point? You don't yeah, know- I do. Okay. I was like, uh, you don't um, have to answer that if that's too personal. No, I okay. wrote a whole chapter on masturbation. I will answer a question about church attendance. <laughs> um, I, I, yeah, Say what I now? Do. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, I attend a, an EV free, tr- EV free church called Parkview. And, um, what? I like EV free cause I feel like they major on the majors, you know, they're not too, they don't get too bogged down in, in the other stuff. But I will say, I mean, I go on Sundays and I come home, um, and I, and I don't do much else. Part of that is that I'm crazy busy with book launch. So yeah. I don't have much time for much else. And part of it is that we have been at my roommate and I have been attending there for about, eight months and we have met maybe four people. So that that sucks. It totally sucks. And I mean, I'm really glad I have my roommate to go with because she can sit with me on Sundays and we can walk out and we can avoid awkward eye contact together. But it is this horrible feeling of like, man, I mean, it's, it's another day of like, okay, I guess we'll just sit in a row with strangers and, and be surrounded by strangers and yeah. leave this church of strangers. Yeah. Side note, does your church have like welcome time where they awkwardly make everybody shake hands? They don't have welcome oh time. Oh my and God, thank God. weird enough, they put communion in the, it like they put communion like on a table and you go up and grab it. So you don't even have like interaction with people in communion, which I found like pretty unsettling at first because... Uh, you know, you should do communion with people. Yes. Yeah, our church does the same thing. And I, that that startled me, too, at the beginning, especially when they had us, like, dip the cracker in the juice, because I was like, that's what Jesus did to signify, <laughs> like, Judas. <laughs> like, that's our, our only biblical example of dipping the bread. Anyway, I'm getting off topic. Oh, no, it's fine. But I, so, so as to say, I mean, I think, so I keep going to church because I know church is important. And, um, 
And I think that like church is great and like I, whatever, whatever, like yay the body. But also I, I <laughs> part of it is this sense of like, I don't want to not go to church. I don't go to church for community. I have found that much more of like, you are the hands and I recognize your value. You are the feet, recognize your value. I have found that much more robustly online and I feel much more valued um, as like a single person contributing to the body of Christ. I have found that much more online than I ever have in the actual physical uh, sanctuary. Yeah, that is a gigantic growing trend. That And yeah. again, I don't have any kind of stats for that. It just seems like the body of believers is moving online, especially for a younger generation. I mean, like we do this podcast thing and I feel like it benefits us like for right. sure. And then I, I feel like it benefits others. And in a, in a way, it's like this weird sort of ministry where we could probably be more real with people than we were if we were just to meet on a Sunday morning for an hour and awkwardly shake hands or not take communion together. <laughs> Uh, so like what kind of church environment did you grow up in was it the same or was it what, what, oh, what no. was it like oh no it was fundy baptist oh so it, yeah. <laughs> it was um you know like knee on the floor make sure your shirt your skirt touches the ground yeah uh no no sleeveless um you know if if they heard me say the word crap on this i would get i would get some some hate mail. I mean, yeah. I, if any of them read my book, there will be startled gasps. A, a gore. Uh, uh, not a gore. What is what, a Gal- lore? Galore. Uh, galore. 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 Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> a gore. That's not a word. Yeah. Um, Al Gore. Al Gore. Invented the internets. The internet. That's what you're talking about. Um, yes. So I, it's just very conservative and uh, legalistic and all of, all of the things. Yeah. So I think, oh, no, it's just, so did you grow up in like a purity culture? Oh, yeah. <laughs> did I just like trigger? Yeah, it was bad. And and I think that that's so much of what is like, and, and honestly, like the aftershocks of purity culture are what so many single people are still dealing with today, yeah. you know, of like, if we're still single, and we grew up with that, then we're still dealing with the fallout of like, but I did everything right. You know, like you told me not to hold hands with the boys, and you told me to keep myself pure, and you told me to keep myself virginal, and I made all those right decisions, and I'm still... 30 years old and, you know, alone in the world. Jesus, what did I do? Joshua Harris, tell me what to do. (laughs) So uh, I think that that's kind of where we are now is this point of like, I mean, I... I did all of the things. I made the list in my Bible and and I wrote it down of like what what lines I wouldn't cross with men. And uh, <laughs> and, and I and I I didn't cross them, Lord, but primarily because the men didn't come. Um, I, li- I like how you're getting like very southern, right? I know. <laughs> as you're saying, I think it's my background coming out. Yeah, as you um, go full Fundy Baptist, you, you're getting Beth. further and further south the more the longer you go. <laughs> it's, it's my it's my South Carolina ramble. It just starts. Oh to my come. goodness! I will try. I will try and rein it back in. Joy Beth. <laughs> it's okay, sweetie, that you haven't found Mister Wright yet. All right, he, he's out there somewhere. <laughs> Oh my gosh! I mean, you're hearing his voice, but you're not seeing his facials and expressions. Whenever makes, I whenever I go to my my characters, the, the voices that I do, it's it's I go yeah. all in. Alex does characters. Um, oh, yeah, that is so delightful. You have is to it be. Though? A, is it delightful? 
Oh, oh no, that's I delightful. find it quite pleasing. <laughs> Oh, so I was like, I was asking my, my wife before this and I was like, do you have any questions for Joy Bath? And it's like, we grew, we grew up in this, um, not Baptist, more cultish, but fundamentalist environment. And well, she did more than I did. So I'm former pastor's kid, but my parents got divorced. So I, I was very much invisible to churches all throughout because I'm always looked at like, well, that's the, that's the divorced guy's son. Uh, and they used to like... He used to be a pastor and now he's just, like all this baggage always, always like, you know, my dad could teach classes as long as it was just the divorced class, the divorced mm. people's class. You know, it's just I'll say crap when I get angry. I like to swear, but I'll say crap for <laughs> for the little ones uh, who may be listening. Big um, steaming turd. Yeah. Um, but. She was always taught, my wife was always taught as as a kid, like, that your value to the church as a woman was to get married and have kids, and the man's mm-hmm. the head of the household, and the man makes all the decisions, and, you know, and if you were a single man, you were still honored and valued, and there was something for you, but if you were a single woman, there was nothing for you, and you, you were kind of... I feel like you were kind of echoing those when you were getting very Southern (laughs) 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 with us just now. Um, The the purity culture sucks. (laughs) I'm I'm actually really glad it didn't grow up in the purity culture because I feel like we've, we've talked about this a few times on this episode. I, I came from a completely different background where my church was very conservative, but I feel like they were also like cool. Hashtag woke. Is that what they were? I don't know if they, I would call them woke, but they were like pretty conservative as far as their beliefs on things, but they also weren't like, all right, come on, man, you got to do these things. Um, So I'm I'm glad I didn't grow up in the purity culture, but I can see how that's, that just messes people up so much. And it's not the gospel. I, I almost feel like when people say that kind of stuff, like uh, our immediate response should be like, yeah, show me where it says that in the Bible. Mm hmm. And they're like, wait, what? And then like, you can immediately, you know, you're like, you know who the most famous single person is? Jesus. And then just walk away. <laughs> just drop that mic and walk away. But I don't know. I don't know how we move. I don't know how we move forward. I guess that's, that's the question for me. Like, how do we move forward? How can we in our churches and the, the, you know, the, our listenership who are, who are maybe a part of churches, how do we, how do we see and respect single people in a better way? I think that a lot of it for me is um, allowing space in singleness for two things, allowing space for celebration that a single life, whether it's single for like the single life that a person has right now is worth celebrating. And even if they don't have a baby shower to celebrate, and even if they don't have a wedding shower to celebrate that, like this life that they are living is worth celebrating and it's worth acknowledging and it's worth that, that Imago day is worth valuing. Um, That's beautiful. And because I don't think that they have usually have a lot of people in their life who are kind of doing that for them. Um, they don't have people who are who are acknowledging that and they don't have people who are throwing them, you know, showers and they don't have people who are who are respecting that. Um, and and they need we, everyone needs that, you know. And so I think that that is significant, that their life that 
reinforcing that their life is significant, one. And two, uh, being willing to sit in the grief and lament with them. Um, so I think it's like this tension of celebrating and lamenting um, and, and providing space for both of those for the single people in your life and in your congregations. Um, and I don't really see the church doing either one of those right now. So I think that there's lots of space for improvement. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I think that there's, you know, lament for whether it's like literally the the children that we are not able to have anymore because th- that time has passed and like allowing us to grieve that and it not just being like, a, oh, you know, I, I imagine that's really tough, you know, but allowing us to grieve it just like you would grieve it with, with an, a woman who's, you know, lost children or um, allowing us to sit in the grief of like, really traumatic breakups because that's a loss of, that's a loss of hope. And that's a loss of a future that we've kind of envisioned. You know, it's, it's, it, it is, it, it is its own kind of trauma in a way. Um, and kind of not just viewing it as like a silly breakup, you know, like these are, these are experiences that are valid and they deserve to kind of be grieved, um, and, and treated as such. So I think that there's space for both lament and celebration, and uh, doing the coming and entering into our lives and doing those things with us and figuring out what that means. And whether it's you like just learning because you don't know, like maybe you got married at 22 and you never had to do this. Great for you. So glad that you get to live your happy adult life and have all the sex you want. Now let's teach you about singleness. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And like, like to me, that's what kind kind of where I'm coming from. I remember my father-in-law again, growing up in this purity culture like my after you know I, I got Jess Jess and I my wife we got married stupid young and we would like we would how old were you? Uh, I was twenty and she was she had just turned eighteen. You were babies. Babies, yes. Yeah, babies. And no. when anybody asked, we both say it was the dumbest thing that we've ever done. Like it just was. Like you don't know who you are at that age. It's ridiculous. I'm still trying to figure out who I am now, and. Being married that young, I mean, we had we had no business. But I remember, like my, f- f- and, and again, a lot of that, a lot of, especially in the cult, in the context that I grew up in, a lot of that was driven off of sex. Like, if you can't wait, then get married. And mm-hmm. I, the church still pressures people. Well, yep. if you guys are living together, get married. Are you know? How about we we could like. I mean, if you if you wanted to go biblical, how about we say, well, let's let's not live together if that's a big thing for you. Like, but don't force people to get married who shouldn't be getting married because then you're going to be dealing with a whole lot of other host of it. Like, you can't win in that situation. Yeah. Um, but I remember my, my father-in-law after we had our first kid is like, well, you, I'm so proud of you. You did everything right. I'm like, what does that mean? He's like. Well, you got married and at least nine months passed before you had a kid, you know. <laughs> so in his eyes, you know, he could, I was something to be proud of in the church. That He had this daughter and this, and this uh, you know, this son-in-law who didn't screw anything up for him, more, right. more or less. And it's like, that's, that's not the end game. Like we're, we're here at church as a group of broken people honoring a unbroken God and drawing off hope from that. But yet we've reduced it to at what point did we have sex? Like that's all church is to so many people. And it drives me absolutely insane 
That's that's all anybody cares about. At, at what point did you have sex and with who? But you can't talk and about any of it. That's a successful relationship. Yeah, exactly. That's that that either dooms you as a follower of Jesus or it makes you. Mm-hmm. And it shouldn't it shouldn't be that way at all. I think you bring up a good point too, Jason, because I, you know I have a daughter, so like whenever whenever we have female guests, I always ask them like, "Hey, what 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 should I tell my daughter?" Because I'm I'm obviously not a female and I don't know all these things, so like I like to ask some of our our guests sometimes. But you bring up a good point, Jason, about the getting pressured to get married, and I feel like that's partially where we have a lot of our divorce statistic today. Is people are getting married who have no business of being married at all. And but I feel like there's a pressure from the church that well you need to get married because that's that's ultimate in life. Can I give I'll give out some more bad statistics? Yeah. From our youth group, everybody who was under the age of 21 when they got married, which was a bunch of us, all got divorced except for Jess and I. Wow. Every every last one of well, them. Well, you guys are super Christians. I'm not surprised. No, we no like <laughs> like that's funny. And there's a joke, but we had some serious struggles there for a yeah. long time as we're trying to figure out who each other are. Um, but anyway, you asked Joy a question. Uh, so, what what is what would you tell? I, I guess this can apply to to the single men out there, but maybe particular. I guess I never felt. I'll just confess, I never really felt like the the pressure to get married. I had an awesome uncle who was single for a long time. He eventually got married at a later age, but like I kind of looked up to him. I was just like, he's having a good life, and he doesn't, he's not married. So I, I, I had some good single male role models in my life. So I, I didn't feel the pressure, but I'm sure the pressure is maybe a little bit more extreme for women. What would you tell – what do you want to tell – the? and maybe this is more in your book, but what do you want to tell the single women – out there that are getting that are feeling the pressure from maybe the, their family, their friends, or the church. What do you want to tell them that they're when they're feeling that pressure to get married? Yeah, uh, I think that. So I for my book I did roundtables where I traveled uh, to five different cities and I hosted these roundtables with um, a dozen women in each one on top of like lots of individual interviews. But the roundtables were really great because you just got to have these conversations with women in in a kind of a communal setting where there was there was a really good synergy that developed and the ages were across the range from like babies you know 19 year olds to uh women in their 50s and what i really saw and what eventually a woman named gina delfonso who's in her 40s what she said uh is that the advice that she wished she had been given in her 20s uh is that even if you live your whole life and you're single it's gonna be okay and that there's just not anyone really saying that like lots of people will tell you like how to get married and lots of people will try and fix you so that you can get married. Lots of people will tell you that like pat pat, like I'm sorry you're upset, but that like it's still a really good life. And while it may not be what you want and while it may be, may feel disappointing and I can resonate with those things. I don't want to be single. I want to be married. It's still a really good life and it's going to be okay. And I think that that is something that I would like preach and hold to to all of the single women of like, you're still going to be okay. And even if this isn't, even if it doesn't feel good, God is still good. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Joy, I, um, I read your book. I read the last chapter first. <laughs> uh, so fun. I, 
And, uh, Why? What's the last chapter? Hold on. Let me look at the, the table of context. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's not. it doesn't build or anything. They're all topical, but it's just fun that he started at the end. Yeah. Rule breaker. Yeah, I know it. Um, don't wait for marriage. What are you com- communicating? Because I think it's really important, and I want you to share it with our listeners. What are you communicating in that chapter? That was actually my pitched title idea for the book was Don't Wait for Marriage. Um, and my publisher wouldn't let me do it, even no. though I really pushed for it. Oh, it would have been great. I know. They thought it was too tongue-in-cheeky because they said that the implications <laughs> for uh, for sexual intercourse <laughs> were too uh, too strong. <laughs> Not going to lie. And- that's why I read it first. I know. And what I came away from was a much greater message than what I thought it was going to be about. Thank you. I know. That's why I really like it. Um, <laughs> so it, it's not a spoiler, not about sex, um, but uh, it is about. So the, the entire idea of Don't Wait for Marriage is about that you in singleness, uh, especially for women, I think we put off a lot in our singleness because we keep waiting for marriage. And whether it's that we put off like buying ourselves nice things or we put off buying a house or we put off taking a vacation because we're saving it for our honeymoon or we put off like living this like kind of a a minus life um, because we're just kind of waiting around for the the life that we think is is kind of waiting for us around the bend um we are just waiting we're kind of in a holding pattern and it's so frustrating to me because we i see so many of my friends in this situation and it is it's devastating because we we have done this to ourselves um and so my message in that whole chapter is just this idea of like i don't want you to i want you to stop waiting for marriage i want you to take yourself out of this holding pattern and even if the vacation would be so much more fun with your husband. Of course it would. Of course it would be more fun with him. I want you to go on it anyway. And even if you have to save for a whole year to buy that thing that would you should be able to get at a shower that someone throws for you, yes, that would be so much better. But we don't have that. So you should be able to buy it for yourself. So save up your money and buy those turquoise and orange dishes for yourself because you love them. And just live a life that makes you surround yourself with things you love and live a life that makes you happy because when you're putting these things off it only sets up marriage to be something so much greater and greater and greater it like puts so much more pressure on this marriage because now it's marriage and dishes and it's marriage and a vacation to Italy and it's marriage and all of these things and instead like you can have all of those accoutrements you know like those can be yours uh and so I think that there's just no point in continuing to put off all of the things that surround marriage, just because you can't have marriage right now or maybe ever. Um, there's just no point in waiting. So that is that is a huge message of the book of, of there's just there's just no point. Don't wait. Do it now. Seize your life. Live your best life now. That's YOLO. <laughs> that's, YOLO. <laughs> that's awesome. And that's exactly what I was hoping for and looking for when I first came across your book. And like, that's, I mean, it's not your pastor's podcast and we look for things that aren't really being taught in the church that should be taught, being taught in the church. And I guarantee you are not going to hear that message from the pulpit for single people. And as an outsider looking in, I think that, I think what you have written, not just in that chapter, but in the entirety of your book is completely impactful. And I hope that 
that dream I had with that big conference <laughs> and you speaking with some of the amazing women who are making some amazing progress within the realm of Christianity. I hope, I hope that comes true. <laughs> you and me both. Let's make it happen. <laughs> we don't have that kind of influence. No, yet. we don't. We're working <laughs> on it. We're, we're getting not there. Yet, guys. We're guys. Dream big. Yeah, we're really not even close, but <laughs> it'd be awesome if we were. Um, what is one last thing that you would say to any singles listening to this show or who clicked on the title, not knowing what they were getting in for, but hoping for? What's that, what's that one last thing you could piece of advice or anything from your roundtable discussions. Maybe it's a story. Maybe it's a talking point, whatever it may be. What's, what's one thing you'd want to share with them right now? Uh, I think it would be that it's okay not to be okay. Um, I think over and over again, uh, we we keep trying to hold ourselves together because at this point, if you're single, you're probably either living with roommates or living alone and you're having to do a lot of things for yourself. And so you're kind of like super glue, like you keep falling apart and you keep like gluing yourself back together and you're just kind of in pieces, but it's okay because you've just like got a lot of duct tape and super glue and, <laughs> and so you're just like walking around with the perma smile on and, uh, and you just don't really realize how crappy everyone else feels and and how alone everyone else feels and how much of a struggle it is for everyone else too. Um, And I think that's one thing about singleness is that it's, it's really hard for a lot of people and, and dating is really hard for a lot of people and, and being childless and wanting children is really hard for a lot of people. And so I think that like my heart in so much of the book, I mean, there are like a lot of taco references and there are a lot of like silly things in it. Um, but that there's also a lot of heart that just says like, it's really hard and it's okay if it's really hard for you to, um, and that you're not alone at the end of the day. Like there are so many people who, who are walking through this with you, even if it's just a bunch of single women who are together in this. Um, so I, I don't have a ton of answers. This is not a book of answers. Do not turn to it for answers. Uh, it is a book of experiences. Um, and so I, at the end of the day, like I just want to share those with you because hopefully it just makes you feel a little less alone. Joy Beth, this has been amazing. I've enjoyed my time. Yeah. Greatly. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on. I hope your book is a giant success and I I want to thank you for taking the time to write it and be a voice for people who don't know how to be a voice yet. Thanks for having me, guys. This was great. So can we get a picture with you? Of course you can. Yes. For our Instagrams, you know. Gotta get that gram. Yep. She came, played the song, Single Ladies. No, we didn't. We didn't. <laughs>
We didn't really. But she no, dropped some truth it. bombs. Yes. And guess what, church? You better listen. Yeah, and her book is out now. It is. A Party of One, Truth, Longing, and the Subtle Art of Singleness. Boom. You know, Jesus, Paul, Daniel, all very single, but yet we always overlook their singleness. And yeah. we always we always talk about, you know, all the married couples out there. No, it. I thought she did a... a I mean, in, even in this short interview and in her book, uh, more so, is just unearthing some of the marriage idol, like the idolatry of marriage. Idolatry of marriage, dude, that's huge. Everybody, it's, everybody goes it's after huge. it. Huge. I mean, solid, solid book covering a range of topics. Um, you guys need to pick it up. Just do it. Just do it. The money you were going to tithe. Buy this book instead. Oh, man. Like, my... <laughs> yeah. Well, yes. Honestly. Uh, like, anytime somebody uses the word invisible, like, my heart sinks. Yeah. And it just... It, it sinks for the person. I myself sink because I look at the whole, the church as a whole. And anytime somebody walks away from the church with the word invisible, the church has failed. I've I've had people tell me I couldn't connect. Yeah. And it's like <sighs> Yeah, that's, that's I took a that failure. upon me. I took that upon me when I when I worked at the church that I worked at. But anyway. But I don't think unless we have people like Joy Beth writing this book and others like that who are being bold and who are kind of stepping out there and being brave taking on these topics and bringing forth these issues I think it's going to make the church better. Oh yeah, like, I mean any any time any time that you have somebody who's on the inside saying like, "Hey, this is something that's going on. This is something that's overlooking," and yes. I think this is a part of the body that you guys are completely ignoring. It's it's like that you know we talk about the body of Christ, and it's like you it's almost like you're completely ignoring the fact that you have a right foot or a right hand, yeah. and you have those things, so don't ignore them. Yeah, that's been my like my constant prayer of late is for myself to see people as Jesus saw them in complete detail and very nuanced and in fullness of love. And like to me that's like Joy Beth her book is a voice in that. Like yeah. anything that can help me see people better or see people more or give me a greater perspective, I'm all about. Right. And for me, this book is is right on par with that. Absolutely, Jason. You, you bring up a really good point. You, you talk about yes, you talk about voices in the yeah. church. We have lots of voices that contact us through our social media pages. Oh yeah, we got some feedback. Do we feedback? Hey. So why don't you read some of that beautiful feedback? Oh, the beautiful feedback. Play that beautiful bean footage. By the way, Duke. We, oh my goodness! <laughs> Roll that beautiful bean footage, you idiot. Uh, it's a secret family recipe. <laughs> we love hearing from people. Oh, yeah. We try and read some of the feedback as long as it's appropriate. Yeah. And sometimes when it's not. <laughs> uh, Jason Youngs. Oh, Jason Youngs. At Mr. Youngs on Twitter. He teaches math. Said, serving the Lord with at not your pastors. And he posted a picture of you and I this past Sunday morning. Yesterday, I guess. Well, this past Sunday, Super morning, Bowl Sunday, on Super Bowl Sunday, wearing our Red Wings jerseys. That's in right. Protest. Yep. Which was your, that's how not your pastor yeah. celebrates football with hockey. 
Yeah. <laughs> I love it because because you brought that idea up and I just put LOL and you're like, I'm serious. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? We not not to I kind of want to segue into this, too, but like we have an awesome interview coming up and I learned a lot from this uh, particular person who said you don't have to ask permission. for oh, things. Oh, yeah. But we'll get it. We'll get to that later. So yeah. here's some more feedback. Oh, no, Jason. I just want to say this real quick. Uh, we're at church on Sunday and Jess and I both play in the praise band and we're loading our gear and our kids are just running around and at one point Jess like lost sight of them and she asked Jason Young she's like have you seen the kids and the church there meets in a movie theater yeah we meet in a movie theater and he's like oh oh yeah I saw him out in the lobby drawing penises on the posters (laughs) 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 they they weren't but it was still hilarious yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, we got a lot of feedback on our Am I Saved oh, episode. Yeah. Our, are We Saved? The one we did with uh, Doc Johnson last week. Doc. Or two weeks ago. Um, Covert Nerd via Instagram writes, Great episode. I also come from a similar background, believing I could lose my salvation. I remember as a kid making sure I asked forgiveness of possible sins I did that day just in case I died in my sleep and went to hell. What a way not to live. Always in fear. Thank God I learned later that wasn't the truth. Sadly, so many people still live with this constant fear. On our best day and on our worst days, God still loves us. Yep. And man, it's just... Oh, I hate that. It's such I, a simple and profound truth that I, I feel, gosh, like so many pastors are just... You know, sometimes you just want to punch people in the face for making people fear and dread the most loving, awesome God that there there is. I hate the fact because I lived it for so long. The constant fear of losing my salvation, like my heart breaks for people who feel the same. But man, we got, well, we got some more feedback along those lines. Um, Rocky Glenn at Church Boy No More on Twitter. He says, this episode was great and prompted me to go back and listen to episode one all over again. Oh, nice. Our Are We Saved episode. So glad to have found you and all the other members of hashtag Potter Family, which I always post in there. There's a lot of great podcasts who use that. Yeah. He also, on our, uh, on our Facebook, he posted a, a picture on my wall and it was like uh, these football players like scoring a touchdown and like praying like thank thank you god yeah giving praise to jesus yeah and then it showed at the bottom of it it showed jesus watching a hockey game instead of football <laughs> he's like i thought this was right up your guys it's funny alley. it's funny it because is. i got multiple people sending sent that picture oh to did me. they yeah. yeah it's perfect and it, that's, it, it that's really us. is that's that's alex and jason it's the only game played in heaven yeah um carrie jellick yep hi carrie hey carrie if you haven't listened to her pulpit yet go do that it's important she said, uh, in high school, I was always mentally doing altar calls. I never felt secure. I remember begging Jesus to save me time after time after time. Time after time. I don't, yeah. Dude, I remember so many people getting rebaptized. You ever witness people get rebaptized? Yes. There's it, people. When, when it, I cringe a little bit. I obviously, I obviously don't want to judge people, but it's just like. You, don't need to do that but if you feel like you have to i'm not gonna turn you away yeah we are totally doing an entire episode on baptism okay before too long here that's a promise as long as we could do ooh, we should record it from a jacuzzi because that'd be funny yeah okay <laughs> <laughs> just don't drop the mic yeah in the, in the water well, let's not let's not die in that we'll, um, we'll use boom mics. i guess you know if we did die we're going oh, to heaven now yeah um 
She also said, at not your pastors, wait, wait, wait. If we go to Antarctica, Nephilim will escort us to Middle Earth through a portal? This <laughs> is something I brought up. We have to do another conspiracy show, Alex. <laughs> I am so loaded up, dude. I'm loaded up on flat and hollow earth craziness. Yeah, I'm not there. <laughs> well, you're you're going to get learned at some point. And then I want to, uh, two more here. I want to give a quick shout out to that one time I was abducted by aliens. In their episode, I'm pretty sure I was abducted by aliens. Um, they mentioned us a ton. And uh, they really like kind of built off our expounded, our ex- expounded, expanded upon stuff we talked about in, in our interview with them. Okay. Uh, and then they also um, brought up a bunch of like points of like, if these things happen to you in dreams, you've probably been abducted. And I could say that two of the things they brought up the list happened to me in the past seven days. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna mention them. You gotta go listen to the episode. Go look it up. It's a great episode. That's why I'm going off the grid. Cliffhanger. So they can't find me. Yeah. When they said two of those things and then they happened to me, I was like, dang it. I got abducted again. That's why you need to buy a gun and just shoot the aliens. Anyway, go on. One more. A shout out to Becky Castle Miller, who was pulpit number nine. Oh, okay. For us on Throwback Instagram. Thursday. Okay. Yeah. She signed a contract with Zondervan. Oh, nice. Yeah, and is going to be uh, writing a book. So I thought that was pretty awesome. I, I, uh, I saw that on the Instagrams and thought that was pretty sweet. Awesome. Good. F- so, yeah, you Great. can go back and listen to Pulpit Number 9 while you're listening to number Carrie Jellick's pull. Number 9? Number 9? Beatle, uh, Beatles fans will yeah, get that reference. Yeah. Anyway, Jason, so we had this great interview with Joy Beth Smith. What can people expect from Not Your Pastors podcast next week? We have on Justin Dillon. Justin Dillon. CEO of Made in a Free World and author of A Selfish Plan to Change the World. You're talking about a former musician who goes on to have this gigantic impact. Well, he said it in our show. I was this former musician and now the White House and the state department is asking me to develop an app, which your tax dollars pay for. I mean, this guy just had some incredible advice for us and for you, the listener, you don't want to miss it. He's one of our biggest guests ever. Yeah. I mean, this is huge. This is, this is, this is major league. Yeah. He's, he's appeared on everything. I mean, he's been on NBC and CBS and CNN. And he's written articles for countless websites yeah, that are way bigger than our website. documentaries. Go Not to Made in, made in a Free World com. right now, and you can see the documentaries that he made. One of them he made um, for with CNN. Common. Yeah, with Common for CNN going down to Haiti. And um, just an amazing guy who was really down to earth and put up with all of our sh- interview shenanigans. And yep. you guys are going to want to listen to that interview next week and don't we, miss that don't miss next week we also episode. have a special announcement for us alex our we're we're doing things that's right we're going on the road we're doing a european tour yeah <laughs> <laughs> no the announcement's next week oh got, next week got, got that so anyway jason so what do you want to tell our future selves what right before we release this episode uh with justin dylan next week what do you want to tell our future selves to um Always keep your stick on the ice.